Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buck fans, fans, welcome, welcome to, to a, a winning, winning edition, edition. Breaking, breaking the first game, losing streak edition of our no quarter given podcast presented by the BuckPower.com podcast network. I'm your host, Jason, along with Peter Blake. Welcome, Mr. Blake. Did they actually beat the Rams? Can we talk about a win finally here, Jason Powers, my tag team partner of the world here on the No Quarter Given Podcast? It's a beautiful thing. A win is a win. I get it. It's ugly. But at the end of the day, it's a win. So happy uh, happy victory. Uh, victory like Monday. Yeah, victory Monday. And the yeah, other yeah. part of the win, too, is we got a lot of help in the division. Everybody else in the division lost. Yes. The Saints just got done getting thrashed by the Baltimore Ravens, so they fall to three and six. The Falcons lose to the Chargers, and then the Panthers, who were never really a threat, they get they get pummeled by the uh, the Bengals. So a all around good weekend for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now back again in first place, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, uh, and the Chargers knew the assignment. Beat the Falcons. They did, of course. Uh, Falcons, to me, no threat at all, although they kind of scared the Bucs a couple weeks ago, but the Bucs continued. Uh, they beat them. And then, of course, the Panthers. It's still hard to say beat the Bucs. But at the end of the day, Bucs are in first place, even though it's four and five. Who knows? I think this uh, win maybe uh, saved their season. I don't know about saving their season, but it definitely could jumpstart a run here. If yeah. you can put together a little run here, you got an opportunity coming off this emotional win. I think we all, if you, again, Bucks win 16-13 over the Rams. If you didn't see the game or see the score, if you're outside of the uh, the Bay Area, anywhere around the world, because we will be in Munich, Germany. We won't be, but the Bucks will be in Munich. So hopefully we get some Germany. We, get, we need to get some fans in Germany, Peter. I'm telling you, we need some fans in Germany. What do we eat? Bratwurst that day for uh, Germans? Is that what we do? We Schnitzel and Bratwurst. Yeah. And sure. You getting some, up early, uh, Jason Bowers? Yeah, man. Some some Oktoberfest going on. <laughs> you drink lots of beer when you get up in the morning. <laughs> early morning. It's going to be an early morning for us Sunday. 9.30 kick, man. 9.30. That's what I'm saying. Are you going to be up early? Because I know those I'll early morning games. I'm not usually up, but you got to get up for the Bucks to watch them. So we'll we're, we're going to get to see the great uh, broadcasting team of Rich Eisen, Steve Mariucci, Kurt Warner, and Michael Irvin. Yikes. That's uh that's a lot of uh, talking heads there. I don't know how they uh, divide all that time up. It's going to be interesting. To it say will be. Yeah. It will be. All right, let's get, let's get to it again. No quarter given podcast presented by beef O'Brady's. Here in Tampa, in, in Carrollwood, uh, Forest Hills, on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, for all of your sports watching needs, food needs, anything you need, catering needs, Beef O'Brady's. Appreciate their partnership with the No Quarter Given Podcast. TJ Maloof and the guys and the, and the crew over there, Hank's Barbecue, as well as Home Slice Pizza Company. So, really appreciate their partnership with us here in the No Quarter Given Podcast and a couple other things that we're both doing. So, um, all right, let's get to it. Tommy Boy, 44 seconds left in the game, 60 yards away. Uh, in real time, what was your thought? 
done. No, Going to no. get close, but not convert. All the red zone problems. What was your initial thought when we take over first and 10 at the 40? No doubt they were going to win this game because of Tom Brady on the strength of Tom Brady on the strength of the fact that the defense was able to do their job to give the Bucks offense one more opportunity. I tell you right now, at least we didn't have to see a run on first down, right? And we knew that they weren't going to run the ball when they got down first and goal. We knew they weren't going to because if they did, the game would have ended, and of course they would have gotten stopped. So I, I, I just feel like this offense should go to this two-minute uh, drill during the game because there's more urgency, if you will. Why does yeah. it take so long for this team to have their backs against the wall in order to wake up. But sure enough, Tom Brady, uh, the magician, if you will, surpassing Peyton Manning with 55 career fourth quarter comebacks, 100,000 passing yards, I mean, just a tremendous day. And to cap it off with a touchdown to end it, a beautiful thing. And it's against the LA Rams, which I cannot stand. I hate the Rams. Couple things. You saw. Speaking of running the ball, it looked to me, and again, I was, I had, I had the, the, I'll say the pleasure. It was pleasure. It was fun. I got to work in the Rams radio booth last yesterday in the game. I was right there with the with the ESPN LA uh, radio broadcast crew for the Rams. I was right there. Maurice Jones, Drew, JB Long, appreciate all their help and allowing the opportunity to do that. So I was in the booth. It looked like to me the Rams thought the Bucks were going to run the ball in the last play of the game. You saw linebackers and safeties squeeze to the middle. On the when Brady on the half rollout to Otten, so you we we knew they weren't going to run the ball, but in my opinion, it looked like some of the Rams thought it was going to be a running play. Yeah, and it looked like uh, what a pass play action, if you will. And we knew coming into the game that opposing quarterbacks could throw eighty percent the time when you go pass play action. I didn't see a lot of that from the Bucks yesterday, but you know what? They saved the best for last with that play there. Kate Otten with the honors, his first career NFL touchdown, and how sweet is it? Uh, for this team and like he said this may get a spark this may cause this team to go on a run but I definitely think it saved their season because what if you lose then yeah. you go three and six you're going to Germany uh, that flight is even longer then on yeah. top of it you're what a couple games behind the Atlanta Falcons you lose another NFC game and you're one and four at home right. absolutely salvaged the season in my opinion and who knows heads might roll if you lose the game uh, yesterday because Byron Leftwich may be out of a job because I'm telling you right now, if I have to see another run on first down for two or three yards in a cloud of dust, I'm going to pull all my hair out, dude. Seriously. I, I can't stand the play calling. It, it, it is so predictable. But you Defense can't throw it every down. You have, even if you're not gaining yards, the one thing I will say, even though you don't, you're not gaining a lot of yards, you have to still present the opportunity to the defense that you're willing to run the ball. And but, from, the, I mean, again, whether it's first down, second down, you can't run it when it's second and 10. Would you, I mean, I, if you're going to run the ball, I, mean, I hate to say it, it needs to be on not every first down, but when you're going to run the ball, it's got to be first down. Why can't you run it on second down? Why can't you put the ball in Tom Brady's hands on first down to get, I mean, why can't, why well, can't you, you can if it's it second and three. I agree. Right. You can, right. it's second and short, but right. the Bucks have not shown the ability to put together a whole lot of patch plays back Agreed. to back to back. Agree. And that was the bugaboo yesterday for this team because they continue to have drops. Mike Evans, uh, plenty of them. And even at the most critical time, Scotty Miller. Eight like drops. Eight drops as a wide receiving core yesterday. Oh. That's, that's to me, that's the part. It ain't the – 
we got really good players. Yes. But you can't give away plays. That's eight plays of yardage that you're giving away. And I get you're going to drop the ball every once in a while, but you can't have eight drops in an NFL game when you got the receiving core that we have. No, and your defense is doing everything they can. You know, they give up a deep play to Cooper Cup, which somebody once again has to explain to me how this man continues to get open. But I guess that's why he's the MVP of the they league. They get paid too, man. Yeah, they get they paid do. to scheme up plays too. They do, but uh, once again, you know, it looked like a, a, a coverage bust there. Somebody wasn't over the top, whether it was Mike Edwards, Keanu Neal on the replay is pointing to him. Yes, so it was again, Edwards. It was it, it was, was Edwards. It was, and it was the same play it w- as it was last year, except it went for 70 yards, this time for 69 yards. Besides that, I thought the defense, and especially Devin White, really set the tone. But going back offensively, uh, you're able to overcome all those drop passes and still win the game, but you got to think, man, sometime this offense got, has to turn this around. They can't keep on depending on Ryan suck up to kick field goals. When you get into the red zone, you got to stop uh, having those critical penalties, which they committed yesterday. I mean, it's the same thing over and over again. And what you hope for is you go there to Germany, you beat Seattle. Hold on. We're getting there. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to get there. Hold on. I know, but I'm just saying, you go into that bye week, and then maybe you can regroup. You can get healthy. Yeah. Oh, two, man. two players I want to bring up on offense that I think yes. are starting to emerge. Tight end Kate Otten. You're seeing more and more confidence out of Brady to throw him the ball. He made a terrific catch on the seam route on the first play of the last drive, the diving catch. Um, and Rashad White. It's getting to be more of a 50-50 split between him and Lenny. And I wouldn't be surprised as they get as they progress through the year if on more run centric downs you see more Rashad White and you see Le- Leonard Fournette on the more pass predictor predictable downs. And I was talking to JC Allen from Pewter Report tonight, and he was saying Rashad White was better in this game on first down, gaining seven, six, five yards. I'm ready to turn the page on Leonard Fournette. He may be a good third down back with catching the ball out of the backfield. But I think the reason why you drafted Rashard White is because he can do all those things that basically Lenny can and more. He's elusive. He's quick. He's got great vision. He doesn't put the ball on the ground. It's yep. time to have some new blood in this backfield. And I'm ready to see Rashard White because this running game is just atrocious. I don't know what's a worse running game, the Rams or the Bucks. Oh, the Rams are pretty bad. We'll give the Rams credit. They actually ran the ball decent yesterday. They had some 8 and 10, 12-yard runs in the second half. But, again, we'll give, we'll talk the Bucks defense here in just a minute. But, again, I think the two young guys, a little bit of energy sparked into the offense. Otten, again, Cam Brate, we don't know when he's coming back. He'll probably not play, I wouldn't think, until after the bye at the earliest. But even when Cam Brate's back, I think you're going to still see a lot of Kate Otten because he's showing – He's reliable, he runs the right routes, and he catches the ball. And that's what the key is, catch the ball, and you get more confidence from Tom Brady. And even Brady mentioned it, you know, I'm not deterred by guys dropping the ball. I don't necessarily believe that. He also said guys got to get separation, and right now Otten is getting separation. He's catching the ball, and he's dealing with adversity off the field with losing his mother, and he's playing at a high level, which is tremendous. It's great to see the young man doing what he's doing. And even the announcers, Tony Romo and Jim Nance, calling him Baby Gronk, looking like a little bit which, like which means they like him. Which yeah. means somebody in the organization, people in the organization, are telling them that. Yes. That means they like. That means they're being given intel in these production meetings that they really like what they're what, that the coaches really like what they're seeing out of Kate Otten. 
yeah, you like to see more out of him. And if he continues to, you know, contribute on this team, why not? Why not? Last, last question on the offense, and we'll get to the defense. Yes. Wide receiver number three. Lots of uh, of issues there. Julio's just not been able to stay on the field because of the knee issue. You know, you had Scotty Miller with the brutal drop in the end zone. Give Scotty credit. He came back on the last drive and caught two important balls, got out of bounds, didn't do something stupid and get tackled in bounds. So give him credit. But a, just a brutal drop in the end zone of Scotty Miller. And then who, the, the, what do you see as the future of Julio Jones? I don't see a future with Julio Jones. I'm, I'm ready to, again, turn the page on him. It was a nice thought on paper. Uh, but at the end of the day, football's not played on paper. He hasn't been able to stay healthy the last three to four years. He's not healthy at this point. He's not contributing to this team. Russell Gage has been disappointing. And I've continued to say this. I believe that OBJ will be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He will be signed because not only do you need that third wide receiving option on this team right now, you need that juice. You need somebody to stretch the field. But his respect factor for Tom Brady, I think Brady is such a a great recruiter. I see it as a natural fit. Now, can it happen? There's other teams out there. There's the Bills. There's the Cowboys, possibly the Packers. I don't know why you would want to go to that mess. Besides Kansas City, potentially. I think Kansas City's out of it because they traded for Kadarius Tony in a third round pick. So that, okay. you know, that's pretty good to give up for a wide receiver. I don't see that happening. But the Giants you know, are a team. The yeah. Giants have been rumored. I'm not going back to the Giants because I tell you right now, Daniel Jones and I had an argument with somebody yesterday on a podcast. Jones is not going to take you anywhere. He's not throwing the ball. He's not winning any games. The only way he's winning games is if he's running with the ball or giving the ball to Saquon Barkley. If I'm OBJ, I go to the best place you can go to. You play with the greatest of all time in Tom Brady, and nobody can sit here and tell me, even with this record at four and five, you've got the best opportunity to win playoff games and win a Super Bowl with the greatest of all time, and I feel like that's what's going to happen. We shall see. And an interesting set of timing circumstances here, I heard I saw a report from Jay Glazer that he's supposed to be cleared this week, meaning physically cleared to, you know, potentially sign with somebody. And if you could potentially sign him Monday of next week, guess what the Bucks have next week? A bye week. Correct. You could sign him potentially, give him two weeks to get ready to play, ramp up that second week to go to Cleveland, back to Cleveland where he used to play. So that fits into your argument potentially. You, he, he would have a couple of weeks to get ready, learn the playbook a little bit, get some rapport with Brady, and then his first game would be back in Cleveland of all places. Yeah, and again, it, it comes down to what he wants to do. Does he want to play with the Buffalo Bills? Does he want to play with the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, there's yep. contenders out there. And does yep. he want to get paid money? And those teams may be able to pay him more money. But if you have that respect factor, and it certainly seems like Tom Brady's got some stroke in this league, right? At the end of the day, maybe you just want to play with the greatest of all time. Just saying. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be. It'll be. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the defense. Four sacks yesterday. To me, the couple things that I saw excellent out of the Bucks effort on defense and tackling. Very good tackling by the by the corners on these on these outside zone reads. Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunning, Keanu Neal. They all tackled really well in space. They strung out a couple of those speed sweeps by Cup really well. And the other thing is when the Bucs had to have the stop, if they give up a first down the last drive, we lose. They And I know the Rams' play calling was not very aggressive, but they stopped them when they had to stop them, and the pressure was pretty consistent all day. 
And the big time thing for me, which set the tone for the day was Devin White. And he was criticized all week by Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. He came out, he played, you know what, he played his you know what off. I thought the linebackers did a good job, but the main key was having Akeem Hicks back. That big hoss, as my uncle would say in the middle, really also set the tone. Double and triple teams, this is the reason why you had four sacks. Guys like JTS and, of course, Vea with two sacks, that was the key to it. The linebackers were able to do their thing, roam, tackle, and not get out of their run fits. And to me, that was the key of the game also. When the Bucs were dominant two years ago in the Super Bowl run defensively, it was the interior pressure. Vea and Sue up the gut created a lot of problems for a lot of these collapsing the pocket in the passing game. So I think if Vea and Akeem Hicks, especially Akeem Hicks, can stay healthy, that's going to open up one-on-one opportunities for Anthony Nelson, Nassib, and JTS on the outside. And the blitz, and and to keep Devin White and Levante David David clean to be able to blitz. Absolutely, and that's the key to it. And you've got to have your defensive line, and it was never – you know, the point of contention was, could Hakeem Hicks stay healthy? And we knew that, you know, there was some case that he couldn't because he hasn't been able to. But when he is healthy, I always felt like he was an upgrade. And I feel like this is what the organization envisioned when they signed him in the first place. Not only an upgrade over Sue, but also he could help out in the run game and also, you know, be somewhat of a catalyst with the pass rush to take that pressure off of Bayer, to take the pressure off of JTS, Unfortunately, Shaq is not a part of it, so now it's Nelson and Nassib's jobs. And remember, no Antoine Winfield yesterday either, so we were missing the kind of the quarterback of the secondary, in my opinion. We'll see if he plays in the Germany game, but um, winning that game with no Winfield is a bit is a is big there because he is a ball hawk and he's a playmaker and all that. Let's go to special teams. My 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 wheelhouse. Camarda mm-hmm. showed why he was a fourth round pick for the Bucks. Best game of the year for Camarda. Punted the ball great. Flipped the field, good hang time. Jalen Darden showed some signs of, 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 of life in the return game. Not a huge returns, but he catches the ball for the most part. And yesterday he had two or three returns, 10-plus yard returns. The blocking was a little bit better on the returns, so give Darden some credit. Again, he, he's there no long ones, no 50-yard returns but solid catching the ball and getting 10 or 12 yards on, on the returns. Yeah, he did better yesterday. I still would not like him to catch the ball at the five-yard line. Let the ball go into the yes. end zone. But besides that, I would like him to turn up the field a little bit more. He still goes out of bounds, but you may be right. The blocking was better yesterday. You like to see him have more returns. I think he's starting to get it. I like to have more from him. Uh, but the punt god at this point, Jay Carmada, it's been tremendous. Easy, easy. 70. He ain't a punt god. Easy. Well, he had, a, he, right had a, now, he had a really good game. The way so, he's punting for this team, I mean that that, and maybe that's not necessarily the best thing for the Bucks right now. But he's been a bright spot for this team. Seventy-four yards, yeah. tying Sean Landetta and his record in the National Football League. I'm gonna call him that because. That guy's getting it right now. He's starting to punt the ball. He's been punting the ball all year long. And this game, uh, it, that it was a great game. And field position is a big factor. In a defensive really game, is. field yes. position is a big, big element. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I guess I won't pa- call him punk god anymore. Okay. I won't he's no, and, and, and God rest his soul. He's no Ray guy yet. Let's, let's Not don't yet. put him in the hall of fame. Right. Let's don't put him in the hall of fame quite yet. He had it, but he clearly had his best game as a Buccaneer yesterday in a game that we needed it in a game that was field field position dependent. He did a great job keeping the, uh, keeping the Buccaneers in the game. 
I think Ray Guy was smiling down yesterday when he was watching that kid punt. Absolutely, no, absolutely. And again, suck up was solid. Again, give Bobby. Again, you you see if you, Buccaneer fans, if you saw the uh, fake field goal, I'm mean, not the fake field goal. The field goal that got blocked. Bobby met Wagner made a hell of a play, jumping <laughs> over the center, not making contact, and blocking the ball. Nothing suck up could do about that. That's just a hell of a play by Bobby Wagner. How old is he again? What is he? 33? Mid thirties. Yeah, he's mid thirties. Athleticism still getting up there. Goodness yep. gracious, that was an amazing play. And I was watching it with. Uh, with my family members, especially my mom. And she said, that's illegal. He can't do that. I said, you're kind of right. He can do it if he doesn't use the leverage and he didn't use any leverage of any player at all. He right. just jumped straight over. So yes, mom, he can absolutely do that. And it was an amazing play. Uh, not necessarily in the Bucks' favor. That's for sure. What'd you think of the coaching at last point? And then we'll get to Paul Stewart with his, uh, montage of the seattle seahawks what'd you think of todd Bowles' coaching went for it a couple times the one time he sent the punt team on initially then he waved them off and that was one where, where aaron donald sacked tom brady what'd you think i i like the aggressiveness i i'll give i'll give Bowles credit i like what he did yesterday i think he punted early in the game on a fourth down which i think was the right move because it was a field position kind of game i think Bowles did a good job with the play calling and I like that they finally went some up tempo late third quarter, early fourth quarter. And it wasn't a it wasn't a flat out two minute drill, but it was a no huddle, kind of a sugar huddle kind of attack that I think is good for the Buccaneers. It's it creates predictable matchups and limits how much the defense can substitute. And it was probably the best decision he made. Either Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich at the end of the day put the ball in Tom Brady's hands and let him work and let yep. him cook, if you will. And that's what they did. And I wish they would do that more. Also, I wish they had more urgency, especially in the first quarter with Jason powers. Is this correct? Only scoring one touchdown the whole year in yep. the first quarter. That's got to change. You would like to see them do that more against Seattle and throughout the season. So yes, the coaching was better. Still, the play calling is predictable. It's got to change. You got to score more points than 16 to 18 a game. It's not going to get it done. They have too much talent to not score at least 24 to 28 points a game, in my opinion. Buccaneers win 16 13, go to four and five, first place NFC South. We're heading to Munich, Germany. On, uh, I think I heard today on Tom Brady's podcast, he said they're leaving Thursday after practice. So wow. they're heading to Germany. Our guy TJ Reeves will be on the plane with them to Germany with Mean Gene and Dave Moore. So we're going to, we'll, we'll be checking in with, with TJ during the week as well. But uh, we're going to be back in just a few minutes. We're going to hear from Paul Stewart from Buck, buckpower.com. He's going to give you a, the great Seattle Seahawk montage of the history with the Seahawks. Probably, I don't think there's a lot of history with the Seahawks over the years. We, we've had some memorable moments in the last handful of years. We've, we've been to Seattle a couple times. Seahawks probably haven't been here a whole lot. Remember, you can go to Buck Power TV to see these the video version of this montage as well. If you want to see Paul sit in his chair in England telling you all about the Seahawks. But we're going to let, we're going to let Paul give you the montage of the history of the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll be back in just a few minutes with our preview from Munich. The Bucks and the Seahawks have played 14 times, and currently Seattle leads the series 9-5. Now, the two teams will always be associated because they came into the NFL together in 1976, and they'd met in those two, first two seasons. Seattle had, of course, a little more success in the first couple of years, but the Bucks had two Super Bowls in their closet. The 1976 game was truly the game of the week. The really week. 
The two teams combined for 35 penalties and 310 yards in penalty yardage, both then NFL records. The game featured the first touchdown pass in Buck history. And of course, it didn't come until the third quarter of the sixth game. This was the expansion Bucks we were talking about. Running back Lewis Carter was stopped on third and goal and then two-handed the ball across to wide receiver Morris Owens, who was standing on the right of the line. He just stepped into the end zone for the first historic first-passing touchdown. But with potential overtime looming, if Dave Green could connect on a 35-yard field goal, fans were mercifully put out of their misery with its blocks and Seattle took a 13-10 victory. The return game in the Kingdom the following October was a lot more entertaining and the Bucks scored 23 of their 50 points in the first 12 weeks in this single encounter. This was the 77 Bucks we're talking about. Gary Huff hit Morris Owens on a 67-yard scoring pass, then the longest play in franchise history, but the Seahawks round up on top again, this time 30-23. to The two teams would then not meet for another 17 years, and the Bucks' first victory did not come until 1999 when they went to the Kingdome and the defence took control, forcing six turnovers. Patrick Hape had the winning score as Sean King replaced an injured Trent Dilfer and led the team to a victory in his first real appearance for the franchise. This is just pure old-fashioned football. Tight line splits. You got a masher in the backfield. Third down and goal from the two, and it's a play-action pass. And King, wide open for the touchdown, is Patrick Hayes. Well done. And the first touchdown of the game, and a thankful Sean King. Now, the 19th of October 2008 was a really memorable night for Tampa Sports, because while the Bucks were beating the Seahawks 20-10 on Sunday Night Football, just across the bay at the top, the Rays were playing the Scum Sox, sorry, Boston Red Sox, in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series. And I can recall many people being more concerned with updates on the scoreboard of how the Rays were getting on than how the Bucks were doing. Eventually, of course, the Rays would win and go to their first World Series, while the Bucks proved this victory. See, they're allowing 30 points a game. That's contrasted with the 18 from last season. Now in third and seven, Garcia will throw, and it will be caught with a flag thrown by Antonio Bryant. 2009 saw a really shock win for the Bucks in Seattle as Raheem Morris' team was 1-11 in 11 at the time. But the following year, they were on their way to a 10-6 record and they totally destroyed the Seahawks 38-10 in a game in late December. Just three men threw five touchdown passes in that game. But for a trivia question, can you name the other four quarterbacks who've thrown five touchdowns in a game? The difficulties they had last year has got to be exciting. And it is a touchdown. Maurice Stovall is first of the year. The most recent Buccaneer victory came in 2016 when James Winston twice found Mike Evans in the first quarter. The defense played out of his mind, and a rather unusual 14 5 scoreline was the end result. Martin set up to the left of Winston. Winston has it. He throws. End zone. Touchdown. Mike Evans. He set it down for the bunch. Peyton Farmer in the backfield from the Seattle 23. Winston throws. It is Evans' touchdown. His second of the game. Now, this game is not taking place at Raymond James Stadium. It's taking place at the home of Bayern Munich FC, the fourth time the Bucks have played in the international series. 
There are only three so far in games played in London, so maybe move to Germany will bring them a better result. And it's a 9.30 East Coast time start as the game is played mid-afternoon local time here in Europe. So the answer to the trivia question, there are five Buckingham quarterbacks who have thrown five touchdown passes in a game. Steve DeBerg was the first in 1987. Brad Johnson did it in the Super Bowl year. We've got Josh Freeman in 2010. Jameis Winston did it. And Tom Brady's done it several times since he became a Buccaneer. And you can look back at all of those, as well as all the previous matchups with the Seahawks, on buckpower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. All right, Buck fans, we are back. No Quarter Given Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, along with Peter. Podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network, and Beefo Brady's here in Tampa over in Carrollwood, Carrollwood, Forest Hills over there off of Bush and Himes. Definitely check out if you're going to watch the game Sunday. I'm sure Beef will be open for you to come watch the game. They have all the games, NFL ticket, NBA, hockey, college basketball starting. The World Series just ended. Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night football. Peter and I go over there all the time. Mm-hmm. Definitely check it out. And great, new, very uh, newly remodeled restaurant. Beautiful outside deck. I'll be no, deck no, outside. No mosquitoes, though. Keep the mosquitoes to a <laughs> minimum. <laughs> I still like the outside deck. I do I too. Like- that would be, you know, an ideal spot for yeah. our game day show during the daytime. Maybe not necessarily during the nighttime, but the food's great. The service is great. And then on top of it, you look at all the TVs and projection outside. It's just yeah. a beautiful spot to go watch any sporting event at any time. All right, let's get to the Seattle Seahawks Sunday. Not 1 o'clock, not 4 o'clock, but 9.30, Buck fans, Eastern time. Got to wake <laughs> up early. So, Peter, when you're in a drunken stupor from a Saturday night out in Ebor, you got to set the alarm clock in the cell phone to wake up. Yep. Well, it's not a drunken stupor. It's just, you know, being lazy and I guess being, you know, 44 years old at the end of the day. Sometimes you just don't want to get up on a Sunday. But, of course, this would be a reason to get up. Get your bagels, get your raisin bran, get your McDonald's breakfast, whatever. Make sure you get your coffee because it will be uh, a great day. A long day of football starts at 930. And of course, you know, you got the post game shows, but I'm excited about it. I remember doing uh, a pre half and post game edition and getting fed breakfast. So I'm wondering if people Brady's or there's anybody out there that's going to be serving breakfast during that time. They should, especially at 930. But I'm hoping the result this time going overseas is a lot better than what it was last time for the Bucs going to London when they faced the Carolina Panthers. Looking at Seattle, they're probably one of the biggest surprise teams in the league. Six and three. Nobody thought they would be six and three. They beat Arizona yesterday on the road. Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, Lockett. They're starting at least four rookies, maybe five rookies. Both tackles are rookies. They got a rookie DB who's playing really well. Pete Carroll is invigorated again. Everybody thought this was going to be a rebuild. They are they are legit. The offense is good. Geno Smith's playing the best he's ever played. You know, what are your what are your concerns going into this game with the Seattle offense? I mean, it's DK Metcalf, it's Geno Smith, but especially this running game, once again, a challenge in the rookie Kenneth Walker. I mean, that's the guy you got to slow down. I feel like he's the catalyst for this offense and he's making it go. Uh, and I feel like also Pete Carroll and his coaching, you should be coach of the year. What he's done, all we heard about was no Russell Wilson. We just talked about Bobby Wagner. They lost veterans on this team. Uh, we thought it was certainly a rebuild and it's not. 
this team, these players are going to play for Pete Carroll. So at the end of the day, my biggest concern is that run game. Can that run defense continue to do what they did against the Rams? If they can, I definitely feel like they have a great opportunity to win because you can make Geno Smith one dimensional. And I still think Smith is what he is, even though he's improved tremendously this year, he will give you some turnovers. Yeah, he had a bad, he had a bad interception for a touchdown against Arizona on Sunday. A couple things with the Buccaneers. We all Buccaneer fans, we all want more offense. We want more points and all that. This is not going to be the year where we're going to score 35 points a game. We need to be in the mid – if we can get to the mid-20s, 24 to 27, we're going to be a damn hard team to beat here in the second half of the year. And the thing that's encouraging with the Buccaneers, even with all the offensive struggles, and we understand we need to be better in a lot of areas on offense, they're not turning the ball over. Brady leads the NFL in touchdown to interception ratio, only one interception. They're really not fumbling. The, they've had a couple fumbles early, but they've not fumbled the ball. So in that regard, they're not giving the other team easy, cheap possessions and good field position be, due to turnovers. Yeah, and eliminate the drops, especially the critical ones at critical times and also the penalties because, you know, the penalties make a big-time difference. Instead of first and 10, it's first and 20. Instead of, you know, second and 10, it's second and 15. I mean, those things have to go yep. by the wayside at the end of the day. You have to stop doing the false starts and all the procedural garbage that continues to to hinder this team. And, and Donovan Smith, he's got to do a better job on the offensive line. We didn't talk about it. You know, we talked about the left side, but Donovan Smith to me is really taking a step back. And I think it comes back to Ali Marpet and the chemistry that they've developed. He hasn't necessarily had that with uh, a Luke uh, Gedeke, Leverett, Leverett. Shaq so, Mason. Yeah, you, you got to develop that on the offensive line, and it always goes back to the onus. Keep Tom Brady upright. Uh, don't turn over the ball, and I think you got a pretty good shot to win this game. And if we can get through another two or three weeks, well, don't be surprised. Maybe a Ryan Jensen sighting as we get after the bye, you know, week 13, week 14. Hopefully, if you can stay in the mix, Jensen comes back. That solidifies things a little bit. I, whether you move Hainsey to guard or, or make him the swing, you know, kind of the flex offense, the sixth offensive lineman, we'll see. But again, Jensen, the, the, the prognosis for Jensen seems to be positive that he's not too far away from coming back. So again, Winfield hopefully will be back on Sunday. Um, again, defensively, if you're going against Seattle, attack this Seattle defense. They're not, they're going to play a pretty vanilla defense. They play what they play. They don't, they're not overly complicated on defense. I think this will help Brady and the receivers not to have to make a lot of on-site adjustments, site adjustments. You're going to know where they're going to be. Protect Tom Brady. Again, um, you don't have to run the ball for huge yards, but you got to keep the consistent effort of running the ball because that, like you've mentioned, sets up the play action. Guys like Otten can get throws. Scotty Miller. Yeah, no, absolutely. And maybe you can go down the field and whoever Mike Evans, uh, whoever's covering Mike Evans, try to feed him the ball. I still believe Mike Evans is the most consistent receiver on this team. And like you said, I hope to see more of Rashard White in this game, especially with running the ball because he has that explosive nature to him. He can run with vision and patience. He won't put the ball on the ground. And I think you're a much better team with White in the backfield, just my opinion. Well, before we give a score prediction, just remember, Buck fans, next week's a bye week. We are still going to have another no quarter given podcast. We'll review the Seattle game. We're also going to do some some uh, make some 
bold predictions for the second half of the season. So get your pad of paper out, Peter Blake, and start making some predictions. Mm-hmm. Whether it's personnel, whether it's record, we're gonna make some predictions for the alt me. A couple things I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some things about what you think is gonna happen end of the year kind of stuff. So get the paper and pen ready. Give me some good ones. Buck fans, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Twitter at JPost Sports. Bold predictions for the second half of the year. And we're also efforting on another Buck Legend guest that we're going to try to have next week as well. So we had wow. Michael Husted a few weeks ago. I'm working on a couple of others that hopefully we'll be able to have for next week for the bye week edition. But we will have a bye week edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. Peter Blake, give me a prediction from Bayern Munich Allianz Stadium in Munich. 24 to 20 Tampa Bay. They finally score over 20 points in this game. I think the offense will be better. This defense, once again, will have that momentum. I think they carry it over. They will shut Walker down. That's the key to the game for me. I like the Bucks to win this game. I will go Bucks 27, Seattle 17. I think you're going to see more Kate Otten. I think you're going to see more of the, like we've talked about the 50 50 Rashad White. And again, I think Evans, you're going to see Evans. They're going to go after that young rookie corner. I know he's had a good year, but I think Brady, double moves. Here's a key, double moves. Be on the lookout. Scotty Miller, potentially. They'd like to run him on the on the double moves. Don't be surprised. Scotty Miller gets a deep ball. 27-17 bucks win. TJ Reeves are gonna, is going is gonna to be very happy. Have a nice pretzel over in Germany. Have some schnitzel, some sausage, bratwurst, or whatever the hell else they eat, sauerkraut, all that good stuff over in Germany. And keep Dave Moore off the streets at night because Dave Moore (laughs) (laughs) – Way to throw him underneath the bus. Good job. There you go. Dave Moore likes to have a good time, so we don't want Dave Moore to have to be tracking down an Uber in the middle of the night in Munich. So we need to get Dave Moore to the stadium and and all in one piece, have a little fun, so – fucking there you go there you go all right folks we'll see you next time peter blake tell me where they can find all your great work yes on the sports web live on facebook and youtube like and subscribe to the sports web on youtube of course go to i love st pete the hub and amped up sports on monday and wednesday nights at nine o'clock do three things bring your passion bring your excitement just don't bring any nonsense i'm your host peter blake giving you Something to think about with no curfew. There you go. I was just going to mention that. You, you can yes. let it rip. You can let it yeah. rip as late as we want to let it rip. Also, remember, um, God, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, remember, you can find our video interview on my Jason Power Sports channel, YouTube channel. You can see Peter and I. The Peter's got a cool little background. Some Buccaneer paraphernalia in the background. You can see us talking. All the good stuff, all the interviews, Powers on Sports podcast, Florida Football Insiders podcast. We talk about all things college football, state of Florida. We've had a coaching change here in the state of Florida this week, University of South Florida. We talk to Coach Jim Levitt every week, coaching the kicker segment, and, of course, the No Quarter Given podcast. So, Buccaneer fans, have a great week. Set the alarm clock. Got to get up early. Not a, No more, no late nights at the Gentleman's Club for you, Peter Blake. Yeah, over in Tampa, stay out of the clubs. I see you there all the time, so you better stop. Stay out of the clubs. Get a good night's sleep. <laughs> Have some raisin bran and some coffee or some orange juice on a Sunday morning. And let's get the Bucks to the winner's circle for win number two in a row. How about that? Absolutely. Let's do it. We'll see you next time, fans, on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Let's, let's go. go. 
Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.